This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. The cyclist creates everything from almost nothing, becoming the most energy efficient of all animals and machines, and as such has a genuine ability to challenge the entire value of the system of a society. The bicycle may be too cheap, too available, too healthy, too independent, and too equitable for its own good. In an age of excess, it is minimal and has the subversive potential to make people happy in an economy fueled by consumer discontent. Good morning to all those 3CR listeners here on this Monday, Easter Monday morning in lovely Melbourne. Actually, I was trying to think of Pauline Hanson's first line from the video she made in case she got assassinated. We are pre-recording this on Shrove Thursday before the Monday, and we're going to focus the show a little bit on because Critical Mass seems to be trying for a rebirth, hopefully, uh, we're going to do a brief look at Critical Mass's history here in Melbourne. Faith, a bicycle moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think uh, we had a similar bicycle moment this morning. Um, mine was as I arrived here at the studios on Smith Street uh, in Collingwood, just up the Victoria Street end. I noticed outside the Major Major Cafe, there is a brand new spanking set of bike racks going in. Those ones that take up a car space and allow 10 or 12 bikes to uh, park. So uh, I was very happy to see that. Congratulations to the city of Yarra. There we go. There's not a lot of racks up this end. There are hardly any. I I notice you're tied up outside the olive tree at the front. I am tied up next to the olive tree, so not not next time, Val. Next time I will be... are you going to walk from major major to three CR? Stretch the legs out after a ride. You know, it's all of twenty meters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the ride in this morning, I was thinking about what we we're going to talk about as usual last night and this morning. I'm in a fluff about actually how do you structure a show about something? And as we're riding along, as I'm riding along, I'm thinking about well. 1996, there were not many bike racks or bike lanes or anything in Melbourne. And these things, you know, change and quickly sometimes. Anyway, I came around the corner and to the top of the Paris end of uh, Smith Street. And there in front of me was under construction, (laughs) six new bike racks taking up (laughs) a car space. The funny thing is, though, then I pulled up outside of 3CR and... I'm wearing one of my a T-shirt from those days, which has in quite bold letters on the back, bikes allowed the full lane. And sometimes you get some funny reactions from people, especially drivers stuck behind you. But as I dismounted and was chaining up the bike, 
uh, somebody of my vintage came up to me and said, I love that T-shirt, <laughs> then proceeded to tell me about how he told the driver off for coming at that two feet with him the other day. We had a discussion about how bicycling's changed in <laughs> Melbourne, and I said to him, look at the racks up there, that's what's happened. <laughs> uh, that's good. Shared bike moment. And as we said earlier, no no news this week because no. uh, um, this is a pre-recorded show for Easter Monday. So we thought uh, there seems to be a move um, to start Critical Mass up again in Melbourne um, from a whole new bunch of people, which is great to see. Uh, Critical Mass has a, a long history in Melbourne and Val was a big part of it right from the beginning. But as he discovered, it's also a personal history. <laughs> so we thought today's a good day to hear some of that. Yeah, it is actually. And um, it's created a bit of uh, discussion amongst a, a group, The Rebirth. I had somebody into the uh, shop on Saturday who was very much one of the principal drivers of um, the early days of Critical Mass. I should pull you up on one thing first that I'll, uh, I'll tell in the stories. Um, from about year five, so the first uh, first five years I missed. Anyway, oh, you forgot, I forgot where I was at now, Faith. It's a holiday weekend. It is a holiday weekend. I'll I'll tell you what, I'll start right at the beginning. I'll I'll give you a little bit of history first. So Critical Mass started San Francisco 1992, and it really was a joining together of um, two movements. One was, uh, if people would remember, Reclaim the Streets was was gathering a lot of steam in those days. And, and it's still going now. And still going very strong now and has always had a good association with a lot of... I mean, we could start at one end and finish <laughs> at the other in a minute. Um, 1992 in San Francisco. 1995 were the first critical masses here in Melbourne and Sydney. So that's how long ago it started. And it came from a, the early um, the early rides in San Francisco did... T- turn a bit violent. There was a lot of clashes. I should move off this and just talk about Melbourne. November 2000. I was riding home from the city alongside the Yarra Banks. Uh, I wasn't riding home. I think I was riding from the city to go and see my parents. Uh, It was quite a... uh, I was having a bit of a rough time personally. My marriage had dissolved. I had two daughters, one 16 and one 14. I'm riding an old banger Melbourne 27-inch steel 10-speed from days long ago. And as I'm riding along the path there, the group of cyclists, a large group of cyclists, are riding along um, alongside the tan, the road alongside the tan. Come and join us. Come and join us. And I rode with everybody for a while. I'd never seen anything like it. And got a couple of leaflets and said, oh, this is something I could do. Little did I know that from <laughs> from that moment onward, I've got to say, I'm going to be perfectly honest, my life changed that night. Um, I was involved in the, um, the, race, the racing and the horse industry for a long time before that. I was then moved into the construction industry. But what changed then was actually my involvement with bikes, what bikes can do in a city, 
the people involved in making those changes. And it's been, I've got to say, 18 years, it's been a great ride. Every little bit of it. So this was the birth of Val the Activist. True, yes. The bike, bicycle advocate and activist. True, where I found my voice. I was in a, mm. you know... But don't, there are there are a lot of par, not there are not many parallels here. But that did you could say I woke up one day, and from that time on, um, it was a great it it was a great journey, and it's been a when we talk we're laughing about the bike racks out the front, but a lot of this and a lot of the people who started Critical Mass in Melbourne and kept it going have had a big say in what's happened to Melbourne since then. And shaping uh, not just infrastructure and that, but that whole um, awareness of a way of thinking about a city Yes, that, that involves different modes of transport and how you make that possible. And of course, at that time, with our, CityLink hadn't started by that stage, which was the next sort of big um, political thing, is this idea that people who live in a city... If you're in a minority or you you haven't got much political weight or um, you get steamrolled. You yeah. know, there are plenty of examples. Um, New York's a great example. For goodness sake, Amsterdam's a good example where in the 70s, if it wasn't for people getting up and getting active, the whole place would have been crossed through with freeways. Yeah. And... I mean, you know, the road lobby is still here, so strong here in Melbourne. And they were the first privatised roads then. And there were very few councils. Yarra was one of them. Darabin was another who actually even thought about bicycles in their local communities. So it was was an idea that, you know, to actually, well, you know, to wake people up a little bit about it. Uh, Well, that's, you know part of it. Yeah. The other part of it is God, once a month you could go and meet 60 people, 100 people, 120 people and have a party. So I was about to ask you, like, <laughs> this, the ride you joined, you reckon was about five years in? It was uh, well, it was November 2000 <laughs> so it was, it was actually the fifth birthday ride. Okay. And the birthday rides have been some of the highlights have been of the whole trip. And how many people do you reckon were on that ride? Well, at that stage, which I, I know now from experience, uh, we were, or they were at that stage, and we did for the next couple of years. When we got a bit big, we used to have a sort of split point. So halfway through the ride, one half would go one way and one half would go the other way. So we were sort of like blocking twice as many streets <laughs> as, 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 as our numbers think. It, it worked for a while, but it, there was one half of the group, or oh, how many were in it? Um, it was dark. I'm going to say there were probably about 150, 200 people on that part of it, then across the river and joined up with the other half. And that was a, I'm going to say tactic, but that was a, an idea that we could maximise our yeah. exposure if we had more than 200 people that you could split this in half. I should say right from the get-go, though, I'm making it sound like any of this was planned. Yes, people did produce maps for a new, every individual ride, but the idea of a planned coincidence had to be, well, was at the base of it all the time. You didn't want... the Part of the whole thing about critical mass was 
it was a planned coincidence. There were no leaders. Nobody was pushing in directions where nobody else wanted to go. Everybody had an equal say in things. Having said that, there was a group of people who made sure maps were made so we knew where to go. The other thing apart about this, that little bit of planning was, I certainly realised, and I think everybody realised early on, that we needed to protect ourselves and you had to stay in a tight... You didn't have to stay in a tight group, but one of the biggest things was that you had to have a line of cyclists at the back who would not move, who yep. would not let a car through, who would not let a motorbike through. So part of that security of riding in the group of people depended on that back line staying there and stopping things happening. And that was that's probably the extent of the planning. I remember a couple of uh, large bike rides I was on a few years ago and we had a few riders with us who'd been on critical mass rides and they were able to uh, do caulking to help us manage getting hundreds of riders across intersections in a busy city. Is caulking something that came from critical mass? I think it did. It certainly did, I would think. So if you've got a large group, this is just... Well, it's, it's more than just logistics. The idea is if you've got 200 people and let's just take Melbourne City, or not CBD, yeah, the CBD as a... As a um, I've actually got a better example of corking. I'll explain it quickly. We're coming to an intersection. If we had a large group of people, even if the light was green we'd tend to slow down. So the time you got to the intersection, the red, the lights had changed red. When the lights then turned green, a group of people, five or six usually, went to the right hand or the left hand of the intersection and blocked those, those cars from coming through the intersection. So then everybody started to go through. If the lights turned red, the caucus stayed there and everybody went through and then they picked it up and then the group of people at the front of the ride would then next cork the next intersection. It was always wonderful to see people who'd come along to a couple of critical masses and started to work out how it worked. Some of them became the most wonderful corkers. It was <laughs> it was never done in an aggressive style. No. It was actually you rode across to the intersection, the cars were stopped, you tried to engage the cars, especially when their lights turned green. So that was the idea that it and it kept moving. The best example I can probably give of this, uh, we had the 10th birthday ride. I'm jumping a little bit ahead of, head of us, ourselves, and I, I can't remember the numbers, but it was certainly over a 1,000 people, and the next story will, will show how big it was. We came up, uh, what is the extension of Swan Street, so uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the street that ran along the city where the old swimming pool was, but anyway... We end up heading east along what is Swan Street before Punt Road. And there were trailers. There was a trailer with a four-piece, with a lounge suite and a four-piece band on it. There were two or three disco bikes. It was a complete party and it was just so enormous. We completely blocked that intersection there. So that was all corked. Everybody moved into that intersection. So that was a large intersection with four lanes of traffic yep. both ways, but just stopped completely. When we started to move out of that intersection and up Punt Road Hill, 
you could see there were bicycles from the railway bridge at Richmond Station to the top to Bridge <laughs> Road's <laughs> lights. It was just bicycles. It was that, that was very, It was just that whole top of the hill of bicycles. So you were riding with critical mass from 2000 until Five. 2005 I started. Yeah. Until the the last one that was run in Melbourne? Oh, let's not get to the end yet. <laughs> no, I was going to stop in the middle. Um, was what it, were was, the highlights? Was there ever an end to it? Um, the highlights. Oh, God, so many, so mm. many. Um, For you personally? Yep, a couple yeah. of the funny ones. Um, oh, oh, God. Um Look, it's interesting. This I'll make this really personal, actually. When I first started to go to critical mass, I mean, I was of an age group that was probably a little bit older than everybody else. And when we got infiltrated by a couple of um, either undercover policemen, or which was quite serious later, um, I think I was looked on with a bit of suspicion, actually, which was quite interesting. And actually the people who I befriended at early days, who I still see quite regularly and who were critical masses, um, it did take a while to sort of come into it. Um, where should I get to? We'd grown to be quite a um, noisy presence in Melbourne from year five or six up to year nine and ten. Actually, by year eight, seven and eight and nine, we started to attract the ire of um, people like Neil Mitchell and Andrew Bolt. And there was, um, I'm going to say, there was a hysteria about it. And um, I remember I got called at a construction site, you know, you're still in, in part of that anarchist group. And construction people were quite anti any sort of bicycles in those days. But it um, it was getting a bit. Um, I'm not sure how to say it. Um, the ride, the ninth birthday ride, was a ride to go through the Burnley Tunnel. And look, I'm trying to remember the the other ride through the tunnel. But I certainly the the Burnley Tunnel ride on the ninth birthday was um, quite spectacular in a lot of ways, and had a couple of very funny moments in it. Um, I remember riding into uh, into it, so it was a meet at the State Library, and there were probably two or three helicopters above Melbourne Central. Well, it had got out that we were riding the tunnel. Christine Nixon was um, uh, police commissioner. Everybody was screaming that you need to shut this group down. This is part of another story uh, running parallel, running alongside this, which I might touch on. I'll touch on later. Anyway, I'm riding into it, and we were. I was riding in with somebody else who had the radio on the three AW, of course, which is the Great Freedom Radio Station of Melbourne, and the screaming and, and the, like I said, the hysteria about it. Anyway, at some stage, um, the policeman who was um, in charge of traffic in Melbourne had made a vow to Neil Mitchell that he was personally going to stop it. But he said he had trouble because there were no leaders and he had no one to talk to. So this was a, it was a fair bit of, you know, I think it was intimidation really more than anything else. Anyway, the large group at State Library, very large, a large... We'd, by this stage, we had um, 
policemen uh, on bicycles with us all the time. And uh, for a while there, actually, they were our protectors because we'd had an incident with a taxi driver a couple of years before where a couple of people got injured, the taxi got thrashed. There was was some elements inside. Anyway, so it was a little bit hairy. Anyway, we're there at the State Library and... um, Ken Lay shows up, who was the charge of um, traffic in Melbourne, and he was trying to find people to talk to, and nobody, of course, everybody was quite happy and getting ready for the ride. And by this stage, people were dressing up in costumes all the time. Chris, I hope you listen to this because everybody <laughs> remembers your cat. Your uh, as one of the few, one of the early cat um, onesies, <laughs> <laughs> and always. And always very loud. Anyway, yes, Chris, yep, haven't changed much. Anyway, um, as we started to move off, um, Ken Lay physically tried to stop somebody um, riding off who had one of those air horns on the bike with the triggers on the handlebars. So Mr Lay had grabbed the handlebars and straight away the air horn went off, <laughs> which is a piercing sound from two feet away. It was pretty crazy the highlights of the of that ride though there were a couple of um it um I love, this will fit into the story the same thing when i was talking about back lines before actually we rode from the city we did half a lap of the cub uh, uh, the cbd <laughs> and got to the entrance of the burnley tunnel nobody blocked it off nobody stopped it it was an idea that actually I think the reason why, and I'm not sure why the reason it wasn't stopped, was because there was an idea that actually things had got a little bit authoritarian in the, under Kennett and a few other things. And there was an idea of community policing was not the same as black letter law. And there was uh, a little bit of a liaison between the police on the ground who knew us and who had been riding with us and our sort of ability to get something over the line or, or to proceed with this. Anyway, uh, we enter the uh, Burnley Tunnel. Now, I'm not sure if the people who rode the bike down that have ridden Burnley Tunnel, and I think this was the second time we'd done it, uh, the first time we did it, not with so many numbers. That hill going down at Burnley Tunnel is quite <laughs> steep. And if you're sitting on a bike and there's no wind resistance virtually, it's quite easy to get pick up a, a, a fair bit of speed. I think there would have been nine or ten of us at the back line. I was the, we were the last people to go in at the back. And I remember a wonderful moment halfway down the hill, that hill when there were about four or five to us all hands off the handlebars and joined hands together. So we went down as this sort of flying one bicycle with about five <laughs> or six people. And, of course, with all going downhills, then you've got to go back up it. By this stage, and this is you know, only six, 800 metres into the tunnel, for some reason, the Channel 7 television car got into the tunnel. So once we start to climb the hill or the flat part of the hill... The back line's getting a little bit disintegrated. We have also, alongside the Channel 7 um, television camera, who I've got to say a cameraman, 
hanging out of the window filming and by this stage uh, I think there were three of us down in the back and we're joined by a policeman on a motorcycle as well and we Channel 7 um, you know they rode up to the back of the critical mass in a pretty dangerous uh, way and it was you could they were screaming at and they were screaming at me and they were screaming at the people alongside us and we'd worked out a bit beforehand that um, sometimes the best way to slow some of the police motorcycles down was to make them go as slow as possible so they'd probably they might overheat or something so we had this stage where I'm trying to st- <laughs> and a couple of people are trying to stop a Channel 7 car and this policeman so it got a little bit spooky for a little while. The Channel 7 people think, I think they sort of realised how, you know, what a stupid thing they'd done. Anyway, they didn't get through. The I still remember the bloke on the motorcycle quite vividly, actually. So we came out of the tunnel, started riding along, and um, one of the, a couple of the Velo cops um, pulled me over and... Uh, gave me a bit of a third degree about they'd had a complaint from Channel 7 that I'd <laughs> been rude to them. <laughs> so it, it was quite funny. The other highlight of that is, of course, we did a bike lift at the end, at the, entr- at the exit of the tunnel. So, I mean, it was a pretty big bike lift, I've got to say. Um, and I, I'm not... Um, you know, there's, there's nothing personal. Well, it is a little bit personal about this. And obviously the picture was taken at the back of the, of the back of the, um, back of the lift. But here I am opening up the Herald Sun the next day. Here is my, the, my back wearing my dryers of bone, which I've still got at home, <laughs> my kooky white foam helmet and my old 27-inch shitty steel bike held up in the air. Still got it at home. <laughs> awesome. And we have just got one more minute. So Val, oh, no. We've got, um, if Critical Mass does start up in Melbourne again, what would you be saying to the, the organisers? Look, I had to, um, as I said early on, I had I've spoken to a couple of people about this rebirthing this, and um, one of them said something to me interesting. He said, it's great. He said it's good that actually another generation is getting out and doing something themselves. And I think he made a fair point. If I'd make one, you know, things have a natural life in some days. And our sort of those 18, I mean, those 15 or 16 years of high, big critical mass numbers was that generation. And it's, you know, all power to them. Yeah. Okay, and we'll just finish up the show because that's all we have time for now with a message from 3CR. It is listener sponsors who keep the radio station going. When you become a listener sponsor, you get a part of this radio station. You get a little part of it. It's yours. You get a little share of it.
its 3CR subscriber drive and we're asking you to show your love for 3CR. Support your favourite show by calling us on 9419 8377 or online 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. $35 unwaged, $70 waged or $150 solidarity. Subscribe to 3CR today. People lining up uh, out in the street, uh, out in Smith Street and Collingwood, lining up to take out their listener sponsorship. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.